Hello and welcome to episode 579 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. It's Monster Kid Radio. And I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, welcoming you to this episode with a new song, Shaky Dracrophobula. It's from the band The Wet Ones from their album, The Monster of Jungle Island. You can find them over at thewetones.bandcamp.com. Go check them out. Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you when you're done listening to this episode of the podcast. What do we have cooked up this week? Well, you heard Kenny talk about Monster Bash in the last episode, and we're going to keep the Monster Bash love train rolling with a recording from Monster Bash, courtesy of Mike R., friend of the show, somebody who has provided recordings from Monster Bash to the podcast in the past. This time around, he has us a recording from the Caroline Monroe Q&A from Monster Bash. I did edit it a little bit, and of course, I fiddled with the knobs a little bit so that you can maybe hear it just a little bit better, but it's an awesome recording to begin with, so big shout out to Mike for sending this in. I really appreciate him doing this, and you know what? I even learned something. I'll tell you a little bit about that towards the end of the show. Now, it wouldn't be another episode of Monster Kid Radio without at least one segment sent in by one of our amazing contributors. And this time around, we have Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review. He is deep into the Ultra 7. And, well, it's another good installment. It's another great episode. And it's another fun episode of Monster Kid Radio. I can't wait to share it with you. So why don't we get to it? right now. Night has fallen, and the time has come to experience Terror at Collinwood, a podcast dedicated to the iconic gothic television series Dark Shadows. Terror at Collinwood explores the hidden secrets within the sinister walls of the Collins estate. Hosted by two-time Rondo Award-winning television horror hostess Penny Dreadful, the podcast features interviews and in-depth discussions with fans and creators as they examine the cursed characters and supernatural storylines of that creepy classic, Dark Shadows. Beware the night and the restless dead who wail on Widow's Hill, and prepare yourself for Terror at Collinwood, a Dark Shadows podcast. Available at terroratcollinwood.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Seance, The I Ching, or wherever you get your scary podcasts. The coffin opens and terror reaches out from beyond the grave. As the twins of evil evoke the power of vampirism and witchcraft. Twins of evil. They use the satanic power of their bodies to turn men and women into their blood slaves. Twins of evil. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at HeySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again and remember the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. (laughs) 
Furuhashi is made to return to the North in Ultra 7, Episode 24, but it's under false pretenses. His sister Mana concocted a story about their mother being ill to lure Furuhashi back to Hokkaido. When he discovers the fib, he returns back to base, only to be followed by his mother, who does indeed want him to return home. Meanwhile, something is messing with the instruments of terrestrial defense force and commercial aircraft, causing them to collide in midair. Furuhashi is assigned to an air patrol over the Arctic, and when his plane falls under alien control, Captain Kiriyama hatches a plan to let the Ultra Hawk 3 self-destruct after Furuhashi bails out. However, Furuhashi is unable to eject, making a collision with a passenger plane of virtual certainty leading to an emotional radio conversation between mother and son. Zeroing in on the alien base, Dan unleashes Capsule Monster Wyndham, but when an alien ray scrambles his electronic brain, Ultra 7 finds himself squaring off against his own ally. To humorous effect. Will Alien Canon succeed in keeping Furuhashi on a flight path to destruction? Return to the North does many things very well, especially giving UltraGuard stalwart Furuhashi, played by Sandayu Dokumamashi, plenty of time to shine. Always a compelling presence since the Ultraman days, Dokumamashi owns every moment of screen time in episode 24, most especially the scene in which he's in radio contact with his mother while hurtling towards certain doom. The story is so focused on Furuhashi's personal life and relationships with the Ultra Guard that the alien plot is truly incidental. And it works, even though it means no new kaiju appear. Viewers are treated to the return of Wyndham, however, leading to a comedic scuffle that may have been offered as a counterbalance to the intense drama of Furuhashi's plight. Tonally, it doesn't exactly match but admirers of the capsule monster will find it easy to overlook. What's harder to understand is why the capsule monsters were not utilized more often, but it's a concept that later series such as Ultra Galaxy would thoroughly explore. Wyndham fans, of course, were thrilled by 2020's Ultraman Z, in which Wyndham played a continuing role as part of the storage defense team, along with robots Sevenger and King Joe. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. You know what? I'm just going to come in here and I'm just going to say this. King Joe, one of my absolute favorite. Can we call him a kaiju? I mean, he's a giant robot, but King Joe is one of my absolute favorite kaiju from the Ultraman franchise. He's not my absolute favorite, but if I had to do like a top five, King Joe is right there. Mark, thanks for sending this in, man. I really appreciate you. Oh, and uh, listeners, stay tuned because Mark and I have been talking about him coming on to do an episode of Monster Kid Radio, kind of similar to what Kenny just did last week, but with a different convention. Fingers and tentacles crossed, it all works out. Come on the most fantastic and terrifying journey of your life, 4,000 miles into the center of the Earth, to a world within our world, at the Earth's core. Now, American International Pictures curls you at supersonic speeds with Doug McClure and Peter Cushing to a world peopled by creatures beyond your wildest nightmares. The Mosops, whose fiery breath withers trees and plants. The vicious Mayhars, bird women who feed on human flesh. The giant Boz, lizard-like behemoths with poison fangs. The cruel Sagoths, animal-faced soldiers of Pellucidar, ruled by the Princess Dia, whose seductive beauty can drive men mad. Come on the most incredible voyage ever dared by man. Edgar Rice Burroughs at the Earth's Core. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. For dear life, hold on to your blood. Because your blood is their life. Because your nightmare is their reality. They are history's deadliest vampires, creating the panic only one man can stop. Captain Cronus, Vampire Hunter, with death at every doorway, trembling in every heart. Now, the terror must be challenged. 
Who lives to destroy the curse? Kill me! Kill me! Who duels to battle the undead? Her youth will pulse through your veins, my darling. Who dares to bleed the bloodthirsty? Yes, you bleed, my lord. At last, horror has met its match. Captain Cronus, Vampire Hunter, from Paramount Pictures, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. Dracula is back. In the first now Dracula movie, Dracula A.D. 1972. And with this new motion picture, an unrivaled event, horror ritual. You will participate with the Transylvanian vampire himself, swearing you in as an honorary member of the Count Dracula Society. He comes back from the living dead to extend you his personal invitation. Join me in the horror ritual. You heard it with your own ears from his blood-red lips. Get your honorary membership card when you see the new Dracula movie, Dracula A.D. 1972, and participate in the horror ritual. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. So before you now, here she is with Bob Hildred on Carolina to the Road. It is a pleasure to have Carolyn back. She's a bashed veteran. Been here at least twice, I believe, right? I have, yes, yeah. Carolyn, always good having you. It's so, so nice to have you back. I tell you what, it's so nice to be back here. You, you are the best audience because you're so warm and real, and and I like that. And and then people, people's person, and I like you people. You're just you really are. Character in the slide will you know. I mean, it was such a, you know, it, it's so well done. And I love that scene where you're up in the helicopter and you're shooting at uh, Roger Moore, James Bond. You give him a little smile. He looks up at you. He gives you that, that, that trademark Roger Moore smile. He does the eyebrow. And the eyebrow. Oh, of course. What was it like? Roger. I'm telling you what, I was so nice and lucky to have him as my mind. I was lucky to have Bond. Start off with. Um, but um, he was he was as charming and kind and modest and the most decent man, you know, one of the most decent men I've ever worked with, have been joined to work with. And he was also so giving as an actor. He um, I remember what he did because I was scared stiff. I mean I was scared to get the Bond film to start off with. I couldn't believe I'd actually got a part. And then we, we were flown in a private plane to uh, Sardinia, um, which was quite a beautiful place. Um, and then I, then I got to meet Roger for, for real. And, and I was quite shaky. I had big elephants in my tummy. <laughs> they weren't butterflies, they were the elephants in my So, um, so yes, I had the elephants jumping on. But I couldn't have been more wrong because he was just so sweet and welcoming. And he'd be there when you were, when I did my lines, he'd do his lines to me, and then he'd uh, uh, stand there. Rather than some of the bigger actors can just give you a hand, or if they don't give you a hand to be your eye line, then the first aid he stands in and, and does it for, for them. But he, he, was, he was just so giving, and I guess that's just you and him working, it's just wonderful. And funny. Witty, quick, and and very modest, and very um, cool, self-deprecating. I think he didn't think he was a great actor, and to me, he was such a good actor because he gave of himself. And I think that is for a person to give himself. Oh, absolutely. I, at least for me, he was my generation. James Bond. He was yours. Oh yeah, without question. Yeah. I like I like the Sean Connery, but Roger Moore was it. Enjoyed it. Uh, of course, you know, you did your phone from Amber and Dracula AD with Christopher Lee. Tell us about that. He was extraordinary to work with, <clears throat> and I think he was the reason I carried on working. 
because it, it became a turning point when we working with him, but this is so good at what he did and so believable. He was extraordinary drug killer. And again, it was, it's funny because I think the bigger the actor, the more, but they don't call them to prove because they're there anyway. So they're obviously wanting to get overall film and the Akinei or film or television to look good. So therefore, they're giving it themselves and, and it's nice if it's the actor and the other actor who kind of beat them halfway. And I think, again, Christopher was that way. He's very giving. He wanted it to be done correctly as, 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 as soon as it could be done. Very professional. And I requested, I'm sure I've said this before, but I requested I didn't actually want to see him before. I used I, I to sit and do my knitting while we waited while the other actors were on. And we sat and chatted away and he said, he's silly, you know, he's normal clothes. And then I, I said to Alan Vincent, the director, I actually don't want to see him until he, he um, uh, comes and, and, and we do our scene. He's a character. He's a character. I'm a bit of an I don't like to know what's going to happen, um, which is scary. I like terrific anxiety about it. Well, I like, because I find it all truthful. It's the first time you say it. So for me seeing Christopher B coming out of the dark shadows in the in the uh, in the church, deconsecrated church, and then seeing him six foot four, I was sort of there for just a little black child and he came out and 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 he had the eyes, you know, had the red eyes and the white face and the cloak and so imposing and so menacing he looked. I just became that little character. I was so rebellious at that time. So yes, he used instrumentally things that I wanted to carry on. And very, a very smart man. I understand he spoke like five languages. He was, he was a very smart guy, yes. Yeah. Super bright, yes, very, very clever. Another uh, great hammer person reacted with who I met at the convention uh, in 1975. Pushing. It was just as kind. This was a guy who was signing at the famous Boston's convention in 1975. He was only supposed to sign for 45 minutes. He signed for every kid that was on that line. I was a senior in high school. He signed for everybody on that line and didn't charge a penny. Oh, wow. And he was just as kind and shook everybody's hand. He was just as kind to every person on that line. Memories of Peter Cushing. Uh, Peter Cushing. Yes, again, again, I'm so lucky. I had the uh, opportunity to work with him in the Dracula, in the Dracula AD, but I didn't do any scenes with him, but I would sit in dressed and we would talk, and I found it utterly charming. But the next time I actually got to work with him for six weeks solid was on a film called Happy Earth's Hall, which was a famous production. Yeah. It's a fantasy children's production, Edgar Wright's other so, so I really got to know him then. And he was, I think, I just find anybody to say a bad word about him because he was so sweet. He was charming, again, very modest and, and, and kind, yeah. so, so kind. Um, so it, it was a joy. I'd go to work because there was him, he's a star with uh, Duncan Clare in, in the film, in the score, and then myself. And it was, it was just like we were sort of the three musketeers, so we did most of our things together. And he was just delightful to work with. And I watched him. I, I, I'm like a little son, George used to be, and he learned it now, by watching the actors, watching him work, kind of what kind of the process that they're going through. And, and I think it's good to watch somebody like him and Christopher and Roger, because you've learned so much. Like, it's not necessarily what they do, it's what they don't do. And for camera, that says a lot, I think. Oh, absolutely. That can really say. Absolutely. Uh, the uh, Captain Kronos movie that you were in, that was, I understand, was one of your favorites. Was that supposed to, I, I read some place that was supposed to, they were going to pop that to a series, or was, what happened there? I don't know what happened, it's, it's sad, because I think people didn't get it at the time, it was, it was a very esoteric film, I think, I think in many ways, as a hair time, it didn't have the usual hammer 
it was a great time of filming Limelight and it's gay place. So the people looked at it and think, oh yes, it's actually made more than blood and guts and, and you know, heat and bosoms. It's a bit more than that. It's maybe got something else. And I think the message that Brian Clements, who the Romans are directed it, I just think he's getting a brace. I think it's really cleverly written then. And I think also, I don't know what you see, but a bit of a precursor to Buffy. If you kind of look at it, it was saying, very much ahead of its time. So at the cinema, certainly in England, I don't know anywhere else in the world, but in England, it was late to release. You know, people thought, oh, it's not terrific. And, you know, and Hammer were a bit disappointed. But it's gained legs. It seems to have gained legs. And I'm sad that the Carreras, Michael um, Carreras and Sir James aren't here now to see that it's actually a really decent film. And also Brian, too. Brian knew it was a good film. And Brian wanted to do a second one and haven't been a box office success, which I suppose is all about the money, right. isn't it, really? Yeah. If it's going to put bums on seats, as we say. But if it doesn't give bums on seats, then, you know, it's not going to do But it's a beautiful film, very well crafted. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to open this up to questions now. Uh, just please be direct and speak up. Let's start with the gentleman right here. Thank <laughs> With the work that you're doing with talking pictures over in England, yeah. um, you're hosting a lot of genre films. Have you had the chance to see any films of Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing that you hadn't seen before? Or did they have any sort of impact on you? And you thought, oh wow, this is a really good hammer film I never saw before. Have you seen anything in the midst of what you're doing with talking pictures that you hadn't seen before? I don't know if you could all hear the question. But yeah, uh, yeah, about uh, talking pictures, working, and seeing other films with uh, uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. That kind of thing. Other yes, films, like the yes. I'm doing some meeting called Talking Pictures, and it's a, it's a, I host a little thing on Friday nights. I mean, I'm not there every Friday night. We would call five in one day. So, I don't know if you had to share the night in talking, talking pictures. Um, yes, that's an interesting question, because I... A lot of films, and to be honest, I haven't seen, uh, but they show a lot of really old show, North American films, too, some wonderful films. They're way back, black and white films. So I try, I try and stay away, because it starts at 9 o'clock, and it goes on until 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> so, I, you know, every time my daughter's on that hand fast to sleep, they say, what's what did you talk about this week? And I said, I, mean, I don't know that I can't remember. <laughs> and, but, but there's some great films they show. You know, it's a really, really good film. So yes, they are showing yeah. them. Yeah, and a lot of, and seeing Peter being bad, and I can't remember the one, which is the one. Which, yes, help me. Which is which other one? Which is the one that's, um, you know, bad? The fly. Which one? It's the fly. Oh, it's the fly. Yeah. Sorry. Where the beetle? He's in the twenties, was he too? Yeah. Yes, I had. He was so good at being bad, but he was so good at being good too. That that was the real. That was the real Peter. So yes, I've seen him a lot of. Yes, I did see that. That was on talking pictures. And of course, Christopher in goes without saying. We don't see so much of him. Questions? Right over here. All right, thanks, Bob. Uh, Caroline, we all know how well and great Pierre Fisher is for Lee. Uh, we're wonderful to work with in Dracula 8072. How about the, their supporting cast and your supporting cast, like Stephanie Beecham and Joanna He, I believe, was in it. How were they to work with but the secondary? Oh, yes. I, and oh, this is all known, Dracula uh, AD. Yes, the, the, um, as you say, supporting cast. Stephanie Beecham had just come off the nightcomers, I believe, with Marlon Brando. So, so that was very interesting. Uh, and then, then you have Michael Kitchen, who sang Foyle's War, and don't think anybody watches Foyle's War. We do! Yeah, English. Good, isn't it? It's two years, one different in that. So he was in that. Janet Key sighted and died. Very, very young, so, so she's no longer. Around and Marsha Hunt, of course, was in Hair. She was in the original Hair in, in the stage show in, in London and the United States. Um, so the sporting guns were amazing. I was a new kid on the block and I was scared. I 
thought, all these people, especially Stephanie, who couldn't have been more welcoming to me. Questions on about this side right here. Yes. Yeah. You're looking at wonderful branches. I love them. You look so colorful. Fabulous. Red. Um, uh, can you talk about your involvement with the Ray Harry Housing Foundation? Oh. Are you having Frank now? Yeah. Housing fandom alive. It really, yes, they have a nice foundation. Well, I feel honoured to be a tiny, tiny part. I'm sort of more of a consultant, in fact, to do that. The Lori Harry Foundation. Um, I'm not honoured to be asked. It was Vanessa. It's funny here. You hear that? There she is. You're going to read my Atlanta. I got my glasses on. I'm kind of buying us a bag, but Tony said, Tony went to school in Vanessa Horan House. And um, so when Vanessa asked me to, to be involved, I thought, yes, because I always get asked about Lay's films and what's really like to work with. Um, and the things that are keeping us alive in that sound of Vanessa and, and Connor, who, who just kind of curated for the, uh, they've got a wonderful museum in Scotland. Can't say where because it's a bit secret. But it is a beautiful, beautiful place. And and they restored a lot of the um, creatures, various wonderful creatures. I had fantastic plastic surgery on me. Wow, she looks amazing though, in my She sort of knew everything. Very impressive. you know, yes, they've all been restored beautifully by an musician, figurative artist. So, so yes, to be a part of that is great. And I spread the word whenever I can, I spread the word. And there was, um, I don't know if it's still on, there was an exhibition in Edinburgh. Oh, it was online for a year. Well, again, I don't know if anybody's seen it. I didn't because of COVID. COVID sort of stopped everything. So I haven't uh, stopped the world, isn't it? Yes. But we're getting back, aren't we? Absolutely. We're getting back to so the sort of It's all still mechanical, but we're getting back. Interesting about Ray Harryhausen. Uh, he was at second, I believe it was the second batch. He attended at the second bash. And I remember he was such a nice guy and had a very, very dry sense of humor. Very dry sense of humor. We would ask him, Ron and I would ask him questions, just, you know, just to, 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 to get his reaction, like, you know, so Ray, what do you think of the special effects of the giant claw? And Ray, in that deep voice, would say, I have nothing to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. He did. He actually had quite an English sense. Oh, yeah. So, there's a lift over there, so no. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I, I picked them up at the airport and, you know, I introduced myself as Bob Pellegrino. I said, oh, Pellegrino, do you know that means Philip Ruffin? <laughs> <laughs> very nice guy. Very nice guy. Uh, questions? Uh, how about we go in the back? The gentleman right back there. Yes, indeed. Hello. 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 Turned down because you felt they weren't right for you. Roles you turned down that felt right for you. Um, there's a lot I didn't get. But turned down. I, I was offered at the same time as I was offered the enemy. I was offered Ursa in uh, Superman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that was both for Shannon actually. And I asked my agent, and uh, Dennis said, "What he, you know, he thought." And he saw, he said Bond. He said, you need to do Bond because we know Bond. And, and Superman is new, though we don't know. You know, it's not quite fantastic. So, and, and I, but I always say this, Sarah Douglas is Ursa. Oh, yeah. She is fantastic. She's magnificent as Ursa. And I, I, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been as me. You know, I wouldn't have been. Very sorry. And all the way in the back, right there. Thank you. Yes. I'd like to hear you speak about your musical career and the singles you recorded. And your music and your singles. Yes. I think, I think. Good. Um, what's the word? Cringe. 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 <laughs> 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 this is this time saying the blonde name? Dawn. Dawn. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I did cringe a bit because I'm not a singer. I'm really not a singer. I did a little bit in the church choir. Uh, I went to a convert, and so actually we all had to sing in the convert. And I get my friend um, to um, sing, she had a great voice, she sang really loudly. 
and I would just stand there in mine. I sat in front of her singing because she had a loud and forceful, and I, saw, I thought they wouldn't notice me. So I don't really sing, although there have been times I, I had a slight foray with them into her uh, singing with um, somebody in 66. I think it was, it was Town Cement, it was called Town Cement, written by Mark Words, who did Prosa Jack again. Can you all be so you wouldn't remember me that? But I, I did get to work at Abbey Road. And my, my dad was there with me, the king of Longs. That was only 16, really. So, uh, and I haven't got it, not for the voice, believe me, not for the voice. It was because my dad's friend, she was a head of Depper, and they were looking for, <laughs> looking for a female that could sing a bit. And he thought, he gave me a little test, and he said, yes, yeah, she's. She, and it was my dad's friend. My dad didn't have anything to do with it. But um, anyway, so who was there? And still prompting it. And it was, I had a great band, Paddy uh, Road. I had Eric um, Clapton. I had Steve Howells, yes. I had Ginger Baker. I had Jack Swoosh. So they were my. So they were my. I actually wasn't there when they recorded it. Because they recorded it first, and then I had to go and do my bit after. So, uh, but I did it even later. I mean, only with that. And yes, yeah, so, so the backing track is amazing. But I'm suffering. <laughs> and this, this, and, and the flip side is called. Uh, oh, what's the flip side called? This sporting life. And I was 16. I'd been to a convent, or uh, not a convent, a, a convent school. So I was three years old. And I was singing this song, and it said, the first days, I'm getting tired of running around. I believe I'll get married and settle down, because this whole life, this whole sporting life, it's killing me. I'm 16 year old. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, playing some amazing guitar, really raunchy guitar. And then, this is rather entertaining voice. No, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to listen to. So yes, I do do a little bit, but um, it's, it's really not my thing. Yes, I'm walking around the house, don't we all, in the shower. Yeah. Amazing acting opportunities and recorded at Abbey Road. What was it like in the 80s with Adam Ant? Oh, Adam Ant. Yeah. Working with Adam Ant. Yeah, working with Adam Ant. Well, I didn't have to say him in that one. Um, and goodness knows why he chose me. He went to my agent, uh, Dennis Selinger, and said, I think I'd like her for the, that one, for the, um, for the video, his, his sort of two shoes, I was. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yes, so he was delightful. The other thing is absolutely gorgeous, too, so I felt slightly intimidated. But, um, but he's wonderful to work with, very clever, quite shy, you know, not quite shy. He knew exactly what he wanted, and what he did was he showed him the storyboard uh, of what the sort of different things that he was going to do and try and do, leap across the bed. I just don't think anybody's seen it, see it, as a good Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was kind of fun, wasn't it? It was very, 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 especially the last bit at the end, where Miss Shoes legs her hair down, literally, and um, Prance is a long way being on that. Yeah, but we had great fun thinking. I, I really liked him. You know, I really, really liked him. He was a lovely, bright, clever chap. And he wanted to do acting. That was his thing. He wanted to do something. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed that very much. And he's doing great guns, I believe. He's doing, I think he's, I don't know where he's touring at the moment, but he's doing all sorts of different things around. So it's exciting. Still coming strong. Questions, right over here, right in front. Oh. Thank you, uh, thank you for being here, Caroline. Are there any uh, either props or outfits that were special to you that you kept after a, a props or outfits that you kept? Seems good. Um, I've got. I did. We didn't get to keep them. We had to buy them. Buy them. Got a little cheap one. Yeah, it's something. Obviously, big stars get to be did their Dior or their Chanel or whatever. But um, I, I got to. Get the boots I wore in so lovely, and they, they were brown suede and had a little dog set, little fish, sort of slain swordfish thing on the side of them in gold. 
So I got those. Um, so anything else? I can't believe it. What I care? Oh, the, the bone from one million years BC. That was given to me. Yes, I did get that. But they did a, when I when I worked for Hammer, I did a, a photo shoot, and the chap Philip Stern, the photographer, had that um, I was wearing. I wasn't wearing a lot to tell you the truth, but it was sort of a leather skin sort of thing that they made me up for me to wear. And I wasn't particularly comfortable in it. And and sitting on the floor in this uh, foam rug which was kind of okay. And then he gave me this thing, this bone, um, which, which, which he said he can have. But it was a bone that, it was it Raphael Walsh actually used? It was a rapper. Yeah, Raphael Walsh actually used in one million years BC. I had it, and I have it, and where it's inside, do not know. And my daughter says, where is it, Mark? Where was it done with that? Because I have some pictures of me having it round my neck, the bone. I haven't got them in here, but I, but yes, I did get to keep the bone, which is quite something, really. Okay, questions, right here. Uh, when working on the Sinbad movie and Ray, Ray Harryhausen, we saw all of the magic he created in the movie. Is he there on the set with the actors, or is all of his work done separately? Was, was Ray there for the, for the, Ray was totally there. He was 100% there. He was there even when they, they weren't his scenes, because he was, he, it, it was his safety. You can be there for your baby, he was so there for his safety. So what he would do uh, before the special effects scenes, we had Gordon Hester as the dialogue uh, director, so that was great, so he did all the dialogue, we had to the actors and things. But when it came to doing special effects, he uh, really step in, show us the wonderful, wonderful drawings that he done, and and um, uh, then said, so, "Now this is this is the scene," and you get through the drawings, and you see the progression of the drawings. In my case, one of the ones was with the centaur, and he um, showed me kind of what he wanted. And now he said, "He said, Caroline, for you, when you get carried away with the centaur, um, and the centaur is is about maybe as high as the ceiling, you know, maybe twenty foot high or so." And then he said, you've got to imagine it's there, and, and uh, you know, it's big, and it's heavy, and it's smelling, and all the things that you would hate. Um, so, so I said, oh, okay. So, right, I'll, I'll do my best. So, I hate for an actor, oh, I like actor. I like to say actress, actually. Um, but for, for, for a person like me, again, I become sponge like, and think, okay, so this is this creature which I can't see. Obviously it's not there, there's no special effects there. So I have to imagine it. So I become like a child. Do you know how children play? And they're really so good. You can listen to them, you can hear them, you can see them. And they're really, they're leaning in their little characters that they're getting out. So if you become sponge-like like that and child-like, then it hopefully transfers. But what they did do for me, I thought he was big stick. He had... Yes, sometimes, yes. I don't even forget being on the Yes, he did have it. Anyway. Now, a very tall prop, and what he did with this wooden prop, he stuck on the top of the prop, he drew a beautiful eye for me. So that was my set to all sides. So that was my, that was my eye line, and he just wheeled, wheeled stick. And, and I watched the eye of him. So that, that was for me. And then he put it on and after. He put everything on after. So the actors he shot first, and then he did the creatures afterwards. So incredible. Genius. I mean, genius. You look at his work today, and it just still holds up, and it's, he makes the creatures, um, he makes them vulnerable, he makes them lovable, he makes them frightened, he makes them superb. He is the godfather of session effects to me. Yeah. And okay. Okay, Albon, yeah, gentleman in the back. Yeah, right there. Um, first of all, I, my voice shakes a little bit. It's because I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. <laughs> so sweet. Um, and, uh, my favorite movie of yours is a guilty pleasure. It's called Star Crash. Star Crash. Star Crash. <laughs> 
because you were absolutely fantastic. Memories and star crash. Oh, I have many memories and star crash. Actually, most of them good. I would say all of them good because I was working with Louis T. Or Louis, I suppose you may be. He had to be a very nice to me for your market. I don't know why. It's Louis T. It's a very nice name. But, but yeah, Louis Coates, it had to be for him. And he was great to work with. And of course, I got a chance to work with Christopher Plummer. We were only talking about him, hanging yeah. around today. Nicest and the nicest, sweetest man to work with, serving fresh friends, so fantastic. It was, I mean, did have a man out there? And a lot of this, yes, we had a script, which was Lucy followed, but it's sometimes. <laughs> Let me read what you said. He said, Dalla Lana, I don't know the year. He said, we do more of the uh, special effect where you find the, the, the little green men. I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, and so you, you, you know, put and extra scenes. So it were very, very long hours um, and quite unusual conditions, like the top of Mount Etna. <laughs> which, and it's an active volcano, so they have all this smoking, you know, stinky, eddy smelling stuff coming out of smoke, basically. And I was walking along um, with my fussy robot L, and, and I, I slipped. <laughs> I was wearing this ridiculous suit, it was like a plastic. That's what it looked like, really. It was, was not just with look, let's say, <laughs> not that good look. I was wearing this tiny little strip of black stuff underneath. And, um, and this classic suit over the top. So I slipped because my, my boots were slippy and I cut my arm and felt quite bad when I was leaning. So he said, Oh, Gal and I, I said, You said, Oh, no. And uh, I said, I'm fine, you know, okay, we'll just carry on doing it because it's really cold. So we carried on and we did it. So the conditions were quite hard sometimes, um, but also I loved it. And I loved doing that film, it was fun. It was for children. Luigi loved really how Harrison's work, so he put it in a lot of his stop motion, his own stop motion. Yeah, I think it was. And then the was a lot of our special effect man. Uh, it was joyous to work And of course, it was dead. It's kind of hard. Yes, I saw it and I thought, oh, well, such a beautiful looking man. He's brilliant, his hair, of course, and I'm a very sweet man. He's a funny man, but a very, very sweet man. Um, and he played a great, uh, uh, Simon, what was his name? I want to say Simon. Simon, he was so big a prince. He was the son of Christopher Norman. So I had to go and save him, basically, to the start, me. And um, we have Grace Benches, and then you have Marjorie Fortley, or um, Marjorie Fortley. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's an underrated actor. And he's got an interesting life history. He's had an interesting... He was a preacher. He was a preacher. He was brought, brought up in a really, really religious family. I mean, that's unbelievable. He went on to do some really good stuff. Is he still acting? And that's what he does. He's still around, going short. I think we have time for one more question. One more question. I'm out on the side over here, right here. I'm talking about uncomfortable costumes. The costume in Star Crash, was there an incident where you and David Hasselhoff weren't feeling very well? Yes. Oh, yes, we, yes we, yeah, we were down in the caves in Bowery, which is way down south in the boot. If anyone knows what Italy looks like, it turns up soon just at the bottom. And I boots myself, but anyway, we were working down there in Barry, and in one particular scene, I had to hang upside down. And we did eaten something at the local um, local restaurant, and we were not feeling good. We were doing night shooting in these caves, and the dead and navigated in uncomfortable costumes, being hung upside down, trying to do it as loud as you can with all the. Actually, I'm like, I'm quite poorly, you're not careful. So, we, anyway, we, we managed to do it. How we did it, I don't know, but we did it. We, 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 we held on to, to ourselves and, and we managed to shoot the film. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Alrighty. Alrighty. Okay, we're done. We, we, yes. Yeah. And, and we want to thank you so much. First, the little monster badge. That's it. And the little, I uh, give one of our vendors.
runs a chocolate factory. Oh, and I heard you like Oreos, so hope you like this. I love it. Thank you. Who is this? John Sargent. Uh, he's actually a vendor outside, uh, and he runs a yeah. chocolate factory. We wanted to present that to you. I'm not speaking. Monster Vanish loves Caroline Monroe. <laughs> I don't think I knew that Caroline Monroe could have played Ursa from Superman 2. I love Superman 2. In fact, when I was growing up, I probably watched Superman 2 more than Superman 1. I loved the first film, don't get me wrong, but Superman 2, I watched over and over and over again. In fact, my parents accused me of quote-unquote ruining the movie because I watched it so much. Loved that movie. And Ursa's amazing in that. And when I got a little bit older... Yeah, I developed a crush on her, sure. But Caroline Monroe in that role? Ah, oh, that would have been cool. Or at least cool to think about. Mike, thanks for sending in that recording. I appreciate you. Listeners, between Mike and, well, somebody else who shall remain nameless at this point, I've been told that some more recordings from Monster Bash could be sent my way. Do you want to hear them? I know I want to hear them. Let me know what you think. Give me a call at our new voicemail line. 360-524-2484. Three outlaws from the planet Krypton, each with powers equal to Superman, seek absolute control. Superman! And now, the adventure continues in Paris. And on the moon, the romance continues. General! If you've only seen the first part, you haven't seen the best part. Superman 2. My name is Bond, James Bond. Since we first met, you've joined me on nine of my missions. My latest, and if I'm not careful, my last assignment, will take me to new heights of adventure, new depths of danger, and new areas of excitement. I have a message for you. I think you're just a little bit. I will come to grips with my most formidable adversaries, be up against the most fascinating women, and handle some of the most fantastic equipment you've ever seen. It won't be easy. <gasps> but every job has its rewards. In this case, it's the spy who loved me. Well, that brings us down to the end of the episode, down to the end of the episode, to the end of the episode. I don't know what I'm saying. It's the end of the episode. Thank you for being here. Big thanks to Mark. Big thanks to Mike. And big thanks to you for being part of what we do here on Monster Kid Radio. If you want to interact with us here at Monster Kid Radio, well, go over to monsterkidradio.net because this is where you're going to find links to everything. Our Facebook page, our Facebook group, our Twitter, our Reddit, our Discord, our Patreon, where you can send smoke signals or the messenger pigeons and even how to tune into us with your interocitor. Everything's over there at monsterkidradio.net, as well as links to everything else that we've talked about here on the show. Monster Bash Summer 2022 may be done, but Monster Bash continues to roll forward with new events coming up. I'll make sure there's a link to Creepy Classics webpage so you can check that out as well and see what they've got coming up. Speaking of coming up, what's coming up next week on the show? I've got not one, not two, but actually three different emails out to various people right now trying to set up some recordings for Monster Kid Radio. I'll keep you posted, but uh, if just one of these turns out to work, it's going to be awesome. I'm sure I'll get all three to work. It's just a matter of getting the timing right. So I'll keep you posted over at monsterkidradio.net if I can. Otherwise, just come back here next week for more Monster Kid Radio goodness. If you have any feedback for the show, email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or I mentioned the voicemail line, and this is a new voicemail line as of last week or so, 360-524-2484. And hey, if you are in the Portland, Oregon area and you hear this in time, tomorrow, Saturday, July 9th, 9 p.m. at the Hollywood Theater, Portland, Oregon, the original Conan the Barbarian in 35mm. Is it a monster movie? Uh, by the strictest definition, I don't know. But 
Y'all know that I love me some Robert E. Howard. Y'all know that I love Conan the Barbarian. And there are some monster-ish kind of things in it. And I'd be willing to bet it may have been covered in a genre magazine or two back in the day. Maybe not Famous Monsters. I don't know. I'd have to check with Kenny. But I'm going. I'm bringing my Zoom recorder. I'm going to try to capture some audio from the screening, even if it's just me sitting there in my movie theater seat talking about how excited I am to see Conan the Barbarian. And hey, if you are in the Portland, Oregon area and seeing Conan in 35mm on the big screen isn't enough to draw you out, my girlfriend Beth is going to be with me. So if you ever wanted to meet my girlfriend Beth, this is the place to do it before she appears on upcoming episodes of Monster Kid Radio. Because yes, she will be on Monster Kid Radio. I don't know if you just heard that, but my phone started ringing. Probably ought to answer that. I probably ought to get this out to y'all. So, until next week, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC. is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Shaky Dracrophobula. That is copyright 2021. The Wet Ones. Check it out on their album, The Monster of Jungle Island, over at thewetones.bandcamp.com. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week by Crom. Ciao. <laughs>